0: That's stamps.com. Code program. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork Screen! a very
2: good Tuesday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme we've got Bernie taking your calls because John Paul is on a well deserved break this week so anything you want to share with us uh, today feel free to give Bernie a call at 1850 333 103 our text and our WhatsApp is up and running at 0862 103 103 Uh, we're going to be talking with the Vintners Federation in a couple of minutes just really I suppose to find out how they're reacting to the news that the guard the Commissioner Drew Harris yesterday he seemed instructed all of his regional assistant commissioners that Gardaí should use discretion in relation to licensed premises. And we know this whole issue came up because it looks like it's a breach of the licensing. their licensing laws for publicans to be serving drinks to people outside of their premises, be it you know, in outside on their on a footpath where a lot of publicans now have set up a business and have invested a lot of money in it. So we'll be finding out about is that the is that enough clarity uh, for Vintners. Michael's done a little bit of Research for us overnight on this topic, and he says licenses to sell alcohol are issued by the district court. The application for the license to sell alcohol is accompanied by the lodgement of a site plan or a footprint highlighting the specific area where the license will apply. The license is a license to sell intoxicating liquor within that highlighted area only. Any other sales are on a takeaway basis only. Furthermore, if any publicans found breaking their terms, then there could be problems renewing the licensing court in September. And I suppose that's where the worries and the concerns are coming from, from publicans. I mean, I did hear a number of publicans yesterday saying, look, we just want clarity on all of this. And is it good enough for the regional, for the the commissioner to just tell the assistant Commissioners, you know, tell all your Gardaí to use discretion, and does tell all the Gardaí to use discretion. Does that mean turn a blind eye? Just you know, I mean, do I mean I know Gardaí will use discretion, particularly when I think when it came to uh, COVID restrictions. But I suppose others would say Gardaí are there to uphold the law, and if a law has been broken, uh, surely they shouldn't have discretion when it's very clear that a law has been broken. Anyway, we'll get to, we'll try to get more clarity on that because certainly people who have gone out and about have been enjoying the fact of being out side, meeting up with friends, meeting up with family again and having a few sociable drinks or having a meal uh, together. Couple of texts already in with queries to do with vaccinations. Kicking it off with Lorna. Lorna is in her early 20s. And she believes that those in their 20s, they are now the forgotten generation when it comes to the vaccines. She says she and her friends are desperate to get the jab so that their lives can return to normal. She feels it's very unfair that those in their 20s are going to be last on the list to get a uh, jab. And she's right in that they are the generation that will be last to get the vaccine because what's what we're being told by the HSC that those in their 20s they may not receive their first COVID-19 jab until at least August. The HSC hope the second doses then will be given to this age group sometime in September. But then all of that is contingent on supplies. Now there was a boost of more than 300,000 Pfizer doses in the coming weeks and that would help to keep the rollout on track. And the rollout has been going really, really well over the last number of weeks and that's to do with the fact of so many vaccines coming into this country. But as far as I know, as we head into July, I think there's a bit of a slowdown on some of the vaccines that we're going to be receiving and of course that is going to have a knock-on effect. But do others agree with Lorna. Um, Are are you in that age group in your 20s or have you 20-year-olds in your household? Do they feel that they're very much the forgotten generation? I do know there was an Ipsos MRBI poll out where they were asking people who were waiting on vaccines you know, was there any vaccine hesitancy? And the highest number of vaccine hesitancy was in the younger generation. In the 18 to 24-year-olds, 11% said that they are hesitant about getting the vaccine in the 25 to 34 year old it dropped to 9% and that's compared to 6% of the general population. So, we, I mean, we've, we are doing very well in this country when it comes to vaccine hesitancy. We don't have a lot of it but what we do have does, tendency, does have a tendency to be in that younger age group but then that does mean if there is 11% in that age group saying they're hesitant about uh, getting it, it does mean there's 89% in that age group who very much want the jab and they feel that they are the forgotten generation and they're going to lose out on all of their summer if they have to wait until at least September and that's at least September to get a second jab and of course they're going to that age group is going to get Pfizer or Moderna and if it's a Pfizer jab then they'll have another week to wait after that to be fully vaccinated and if it's Moderna they'll have two weeks to wait after that so it could be well into October before that age group are deemed fully vaccinated for example if they wanted to travel and we know all the mixed messaging about travel one saying Thornish is saying travel regardless whether you're vaccinated or not. But then we Tony Houlihan on behalf of Neffet saying only travel if you're fully vaccinated. So a lot of 20 year olds feeling that they are being left very much in limbo. Your thoughts on that, please. And then Bernard is in his early 50s and he was due to get his second jab going by waiting four weeks for his second jab. He should have had his second jab last uh, Sunday, but he doesn't have an appointment until next Thursday and he Contacted us to say, could you look into that for me, please, Patricia? Should I be worried that I won't be getting my jab within the four weeks? Now, Pfizer actually recommended that the second dose be given 21 days, three weeks. Now, we've never gone with that, even though that's what the European Medicines Agency had said as well. Um, NIAC have recommended the interval anywhere between 21 and 28 days. Now Bernard on Sunday would have been at the 28 days but the HSE and the the HSE also say that they tried to give it to everybody within the 21 uh, days but they are saying for a variety of reasons, it's taking longer to get the second dose. And if you contact the HSC live and ask for information on it, it depends on what operator you get as to how long people are going to wait. Generally speaking, it is usually no more than five days. And looking at Bernard, Sunday to Thursday, that's exactly how long extra he has had to wait. The HSC say while it strives to deliver all second doses of COVID vaccines within the time frame recommended by NIAC, they say it's not always possible and they say that's due to operational reasons. They say appointments may be automatically scheduled up to five days after the recommended uh, d- date. However, they do stress that the second dose given can be given up to a 33-day window, that they're clinically safe and effective. So I take it, Bernard, that's what you need to hear, that you getting uh, your dose, uh, 28, it will be within 33 days, that it is clinically safe and that it will be very effective. Good luck with your second dose on Thursday. Bernie taking your calls, 1850 333 103. Court today on
0: C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86
2: Now, as we've mentioned, the Minister for Justice, Heather Humphreys, spoke to the Garda Commissioner, Drew Harris, yesterday about the legal issues around outdoor drinking. And Minister Humphreys was reassured that the Gardaí will apply discretion to get the views of local publicans. And I'm joined by Michael O'Donovan, Cork Chair of the Vintners' Federation of Ireland. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Now, can you firstly outline how all this came about two weeks after we started outdoor drinking and dining?
3: Yeah, well, I suppose, look, if it even goes back further, Patricia, to be honest, um, um, we got word on around the 25th of June, or May, sorry, that uh, the date, the 7th of June, was going ahead. And I suppose on that date, we uh, communicated fully with members that um, if they are putting tables and chairs out on public footpaths, uh, public areas, that they would need uh, a licence, which is called the Section 254 licence. Um, so to be fair, the vast majority of publicans uh, um, applied for that Section 254 licence, which... Uh, is that lo- to the council? They applied to their local authority, okay. yes. So uh, so this year it's free of charge for that uh that license uh, if you are using public uh, spaces so the vast majority applied for it to be able to put their tables and chairs out there and then that entitles you to to use that area, that designated area for um, whether you are a a drink only pub or a food and drink pub, you can use that area to serve your products out in that area Um, and then we learned that there may be an issue with it, so our CEO we, we wrote to the department asking them for clarity on it and asking how it could be fixed and obviously uh, we saw in Galway last weekend it came to pass that there was a problem that the Gardaí were enforcing I suppose the law that's there um, and I suppose the second thing I should have said first uh, was that when you apply for that section 254 license there is um, currently about a six-week backlog because just the sheer number of volumes that were applying for it, um, and this has caused a bit of an issue, I think, in the last couple of days. But look, what we can say here in Cork is that the Guard, we work very closely with the Gardaí and work very well with the Gardaí. And thankfully, I think common sense has prevailed here in Cork and we haven't had the same issue across the board here in
2: Cork. Because once you apply for that section 254, do you get something back from the council? You, you, so if the you, guards call, you can say, look, I've applied. Yeah,
3: you get a reference number back. Okay. And look, you know, the, it's in process. It's just... Look people could say uh, we should have been applying for it much earlier, but we didn't look have the green light to open much earlier so uh, in normal years when you apply for it it's a pretty um, i suppose fast process in doing it because it's all online now, um, and like you might have somebody come out to, to check the the drawings etc but it's it's, it's you know, normally it takes two, three weeks. In normal times, it's just taking longer because of the... The sheer volume,
2: the because, sheer volume. because in and normal years, every publican wouldn't be applying for this.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Every, every year, normally, we'd have maybe 20%, 25% would be applying for it. And, uh, from our figures of uh, SurveyMonkey, where over 52% were applying for it, so it's double the volume of it, so hence it's slower this year in, in getting it. But But all have their reference number from the application, and look, common sense has prevailed in, in, in most scenarios that uh, that people have um, accepted the, the reference number.
2: OK, so so you're happy enough with the Garda saying they'll use their discretion?
3: Well, look, I suppose here in Cork we've had a great relationship and it hasn't been the same issue. But look, I suppose since the issue has come to pass, um, you know, look, we would rather to get clarity on it and look what we've asked for from the the minister is that either she uses a ministerial instrument because it just takes the look it's very welcome that the guardie can use their discretion but you know that's hard at times because one guard's discretion might be different mm. to another guard's mm. discretion where um, and look guards would be put under pressure doing that then as well so it would be much easier if either the legislation was changed on it or if the minister used uh, her um, her powers to change it and it would just give clarity to be there black and white Like, they even updated their own um, government.ie publication on the 9th of June. And, like, I can quote it here because I have it in front of me. Uh, Usual pub licences allow publicans to serve alcohol and for it to be consumed on the premises, which can include areas outside the confines of the building, such as gardens, yards, car park, etc. So... They've updated that on the ninth of Good. June, but yeah. it, it just hasn't been done in law, you could say, and we'd just like that to be put into law because then it would take all the ambiguity out of yeah, it. Yeah, even
2: if it means a temporary change to the licensing law.
3: Yeah, just, um, and like it's, look, I know it's with the um, with the Attorney General and we welcomed the Taoiseach's comments last night when he said, look, uh, people should have common sense on this and if it is needed, the law will be changed, but I think maybe it's time just the law might be changed and um, and everybody would rest easy then after that.
2: And like, was, I think we'd 17 million euro has been invested in outdoor hospitality, hasn't it? I mean, a lot of money has gone into this. It
3: has, because like, look, to be fair, the government did give a grant of up to 4,000 euros for outdoor, um, you know, dining, uh, drinking. Um, and like, it's been from, people can see the, the investment that's gone into getting places outdoor ready Yawnings, you know, tables, chairs, windbreakers—they don't come cheap. So, you know, the four thousand grant is very, very welcome. um, But you know, places have spent multiples of that. um, So, like, uh, it's—it is an expensive investment to to do it. But look, that's what it took to get open, and people were happy to do it. Um, It's just unfortunate that this has come to, to pass really in the last two
2: weeks. Okay, all right, you need to go. I think you're on a Zoom call, are you? At half ten? At half ten, yes. Okay, I'll let you go because it's just half ten. Listen, we'll we'll speak again, uh, no doubt, in advance of the full opening fingers crossed on July 5th. Thanks for that Michael, I appreciate it. Bye bye, bye -bye. I meant to get to him uh, earlier that is uh, Michael O'Donovan uh, Chair of the Vintners uh, Federation, the Cork Chair of the Vintners uh, Federation of uh, Ireland and I think a lot of people uh, will agree I think with Michael as well and while it's great that the Gardaí here in Cork seem to be using their uh, discretion but I mean should that power of discretion just be removed from the uh, Gardaí even if it is a temporary change uh, to the licence uh, laws uh, pat in for moy says we drinking in public it seems to me to be an irish solution to an irish problem just telling the guardie to turn a blind eye it doesn't seem to be uh, right jan and malo said in all fairness could they not just leave it for a fortnight and let the people drink outdoors people have invested a lot of money In the reopen. Yeah, that's the point that I was just getting into with Michael. €17 million has been spent on outdoor hospitality, not just for pubs, it's been for restaurants uh, as well. And even though, you know, as Michael said, the Vintners Federation flagged this, and that's why they got all their members to apply to the council, and it's not their fault. That they, and it's not the council's fault that they got swamped with the number of people looking for this section 254 of their licence which then allow them to serve alcohol outside on the footpath in a seated area or whatever or Whatever. so it's not the vintners fault and it's not the council's fault but everything was going swimmingly well until some Garda or gardi in Galway decided well no they're in breach of the licensing laws and then they used they didn't use their discretion they decided that this was a break of the law and then of course obviously when it happened in Galway word got out and then publicans all over the country said could the same thing be happening to me so John and Mally, you're right there's only two weeks left if everything goes according to plan there'll only be two weeks left of outdoor dining and then we'll be able to move inside and obviously this issue. Uh, Well I don't know if the issue will quite be gone because if we get a nice summer I'm assuming more and more people with staycationing like the idea when you're on your holidays to be outside eating and outside drinking so if it's a fine summer which we're all keeping our fingers crossed it will be, that issue will still be there but I suppose the argument then is that the section 254 to the licence is at that stage, I'm assuming the council will have worked through it. Uh, Anyway we are where we are and it seems we, we are left with the guardie been told to use their uh, discretion but do we instead does the Minister need to get involved here and not just take us that discretion is enough, Just uh, do we need to have some kind of a temporary change to the licensing law uh, Your thoughts welcomed on that 1850 333 103 scam calls, they're still doing the rounds Adrian uh, was on to us two scam calls The of, both from 087 numbers and he had them within a couple of minutes of each other and that does, that. we had a lot of that yesterday actually I have to say when people said that they got a scam call and we were saying to people if you get a scam call to try to block the number if you have a smartphone but people saying that they were getting another one the number just changed on it so they seem to be coming in a wave like that but just as as long as you are aware it's a scam call as annoying as it is when the phone rings just please don't take it Now I mentioned Lorna in her 20s who reckons she is she and her friends are part of what she says is the forgotten generation This is because we know people in their 20s, that cohort are going to be the last to be offered the vaccine because we have decided in this country to stick to the age groups. We're now working our way down into the 30 year olds. The 39 year olds were able to register on Sunday. 38 year olds were yesterday. Portal opens for 37 year olds uh, today. And can I say... They really are working hard at all of the vaccination centres. And I know it's the 40-year-olds now in the main are the one going to the vaccination centre. But I had a family member who registered for his vaccine on Sunday because he's at uh, 39. And I discovered yesterday he got a text and he's going for his first jab tomorrow. Now, this is in Tipperary. It's in Clamell, He's going and um, we were discussing it last night and wondering, is it to do with the population? Base because I checked in with our own John Paul who's on his holidays and he's still waiting. He hasn't been called yet. You know he's in his he's he's forty but he's still waiting. He hasn't been called. So I don't know where we're at here in Cork. I know last week when we asked, we did have a number of people saying that they were in their early 40s in sort of that 40 to 44 age category and some of them had started to get dates for their vaccine so it looked like the younger 40 year olds were certainly starting to be called but I was really taken aback for to somebody who registered on Sunday in their 30s getting offered a vaccine this week because I was, we were, were we not initially led to believe that those in their 30s would be waiting at least a month, that they would be waiting longer because there is going to be a little bit of a slowdown on vaccines over the next number of weeks and those in their 30s are the biggest cohort who will be registering. There's 710,000 people aged between 30 and 39 in this in this country. It's the biggest number of all of our population and who I, I certainly did not know that and I know on Sunday for the 39-year-olds 47,000 39-year-olds registered on Sunday alone so it looks like there's going to be a big take up in the 30 to 39-year-olds but as I say I've already started to hear and I've heard of one one thirty five year old in West Cork who decided to go on the portal on Sunday, even though it was open for thirty nine years, he said, i ah, God, I'll chance it and he's after getting a date for a vaccine next uh, Sunday. I don't know how many other thir- those in their thirties who have received dates for vaccines, but the twenty year olds feeling hard done by according to Lorna. Well a donor listener says, Patricia I think the forgotten people are those in their 60s. We are the ones who received an AstraZeneca. We were then told we would have to wait 16 weeks. Then they brought it down to 12 weeks. Then they brought it down to eight weeks. But the problem is they can't get the supply. They can't get enough AstraZenecas to give us our second jab. I know of one woman who is now waiting 17 weeks for her second uh, shot. And this particular woman is working with the HSE. It is a disgrace. And that's from Donna listeners. There's 450 people in that category waiting on a second AstraZeneca. A lot of them are those in their 60s. But there are also that Donna, our listener, is right, there's also healthcare workers, but there's also people with underlying health conditions, people who are almost shielding at home, anyone who's in cohort four or cohort seven who got offered an AstraZeneca and at the time like 17 weeks ago, 16 weeks ago, 15 weeks ago, were absolutely thrilled to get it because at the time there was no sign of vaccinations coming. And these are people that were in groups who were shielding at home, people with underlying health conditions. So they were delighted. But little did they know then that people who were healthy and younger than them ended up then being offered vaccines where they got their second dose within four weeks or they got the Johnson & Johnson where they had one dose and people then literally jumped ahead of them and ended up being fully vaccinated before them. So there's a lot of people in that group. I can I can talk about my own daughter, uh, Marcia, who she would be 12 weeks today since she got her first AstraZeneca and we've now been told it's going to be sometime next week but it's going to be the back end of next week. So she'll actually be closer to 14 weeks by the time she gets her second uh, jab and obviously we're being very mindful and very protective of her and she was the first in our household to get the vaccine and now she's going to be the last. Both me and her dad are fully vaccinated and we are trying to mind her so that she, because she's in that one dose of AstraZeneca, we know what we're hearing about the Delta variant. We know only yesterday we heard the Delta variant in this country has now gone to 20% of cases. The numbers I know are still low, don't want to be frightening anyone, but it's out there, it's still there and if you only have had a first Pfizer jab, Moderna jab or AstraZeneca jab, then you only have about 30% coverage against the the Delta variant. So I can understand why people in their 60s really are in that group, desperate to get their second jab. And somebody else says, Patricia, it is the over uh, 60s. It's absolutely disgraceful the way they will pay the government will pay for this come election time. Remember this is the cohort who vote for the main parties. I know my parents are absolutely fuming that they're thinking maybe the government are waiting for them to die off. Damien English was on the radio the other morning saying that the young people are the ones who will rebuild the economy. Well those in their 60s are the ones that worked all of their lives and they did build the economy. It is not fair. They should have worked down and finished the people like my parents before they started other cohorts. They are saying they will not they will not be fast the next time they will wait until they get what they want Um, I'm sorry I should have proofread the end of that text anyway but I get the thrust of what you're saying it is people in their 60s and that has happened in so many families that parents in their 60s who went off and got their AstraZeneca jab are now sitting in households with adult children in their 30s and 40s some of whom are already fully vaccinated and they're still waiting on their second jab so that is becoming a huge huge of contention for sure 1850 333 103 Bernie's taking your calls you can text her whatsapp 0862. 103
0: 103.
2: Court today on C 103.
0: Call Patricia with your comment. 1850
2: 103. Age friendly Bandon have been on to us to say that they're putting on car bingo next Sunday. It'll be at the Mart car park in Bandon. It's an effort to try to establish safe interaction and to try to get back a bit of normality. And we certainly have heard of a lot of car bingo going on across the city and county, and it is proving to be extremely pos- uh, popular. Popular. So there's the latest in at the Mart Car Park in Bandon on a Sunday. If uh, whoever can't rang in with that wants to give us further details of the time, etc., I will be certainly only too glad to give it a mention for you. Now, Graeme Norton's debut novel, Holding, is being adapted for the small screen, and the four-part series will be filmed over this summer in beautiful West Cork, where the storyline is set. An open call has now gone out for extras who will be paid for taking part in. Joining me with the details is Marie Boylan, who is the extra Co- Extras Coordinator with Dooning uh, Productions. Good morning to you, Marie. Hi, how and are you're, you are you? you're very welcome. Now, exciting times for all involved. Are you looking for people with acting experience?
1: Um, I think we're looking for a, a range of people, really. You know, if you do have acting experience, it is a positive. But if you don't, as well, you don't need to have any acting experience. Um, it depends on what we're looking for on a particular day, do you know what I mean?
2: Because normally extras are just seen in the background. They don't have talking roles or anything like that.
1: Yeah, that's that's predominantly what we are looking for. There will be some featured extra roles where they may have a line or two. Um, But that would depend on, it would do a call out for that as well.
2: okay, so uh, and it's adults only, is it over 18s? Yeah, for the time being, we
1: are just looking for adults. Um, we will probably be doing a call for very specific kid roles later on. But as a, as for the time being, we are looking for adults over 18. We're putting our database together at the moment.
2: Males and females of <laughs> Males, all, all ages.
1: All ages. Any Anybody over eighteen can apply. Um, and I would like to encourage people at the moment. We are getting quite a lot of younger people. But I would really like to encourage some people, like maybe over 60, to apply. Or if they wouldn't be that technologically able, you know, they could get somebody to apply on their behalf as well.
2: Yeah, because the application's (laughs) online, isn't it?
1: It is, yeah. You can email us at holdingextras at gmail.com. And what we require at the moment is your name, age, measurements. So, like, just your general clothing measurements so we can get an idea. Your phone number where you're from, like the townland area that you're from and a full length photograph of yourself.
2: Now, I loved when I was reading the detail of what you needed to send in on the photograph. <laughs> you stress unfiltered. <laughs> well, yeah.
1: We just want to avoid any snap, uh, Snapchat and all those kind of things, you know, because sometimes you, you don't get a full view of what somebody looks like when you have like you know, you know, glasses <laughs> on or funny things like that.
2: Listen, you know? girl, it's <laughs> a girl, people can look completely different in a, in a filtered photograph to what they are in reality, so I completely mm. accept exactly. why mm. you're looking. But it doesn't have to be a professional photograph, it's nothing no, like that. No, no, it's,
1: it's literally, if you get somebody to take it of you, like, ideally outside, because lighting is, would be better outside, um, it's just so that we get an idea of what you look like. Um, okay. That's, that's all, and, and an idea of your size as well, like...
2: Now, the, the, the time frame that the extras would need to be available. Uh, we
1: generally would be filming um, Monday to Friday. And we are looking for people from the end of July till like, September, to the okay. end of September. Now, if you just want to put on your availability on the email and, or on your application... Um, we wouldn't really be filming at weekends you know
2: okay it's a Monday to Friday do you know at this stage Marie where in West Cork filming will take place
1: uh, we're going to be filming all around West Cork but we're keeping our exact locations under wraps you know for obvious reasons
2: okay alright and, and and you're not are you revealing any of the main stars or anything like that nothing, nothing? well Conneth Hill is
1: uh, going to be playing our detective PJ and he and people might know him from Game of Thrones he yeah. Uh, Lord Varlet, and everybody else is um, yeah, I mean, it all will be revealed, oh, you
2: know okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, okay. now is there a closing date for applications?
1: Uh, no, we will accept applications throughout the summer, um, you know, we will be looking for about 500 oh. people across um, the weeks that we are shooting, do you know what I mean so people in the background, so the more people who can apply, and I think I'd encourage people who are a part of a family group if they could apply as well Great, you know, for, yeah. for COVID, um, you know, we, they'd be in their, within their own bubbles and stuff. And I'd like to really encourage people of kind of diverse um, backgrounds as well. So, like, we're not just, you know, accepting kind of locals from Cork. If anyone's from anywhere all over the world, you know, absolutely apply as long as they're living in Cork. Yeah,
2: every <laughs> every ethnicity is is, is covered. Absolutely, because, yeah. well, you're, you're going to be trying to reflect... Yeah, we do society. society at the yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So, and all age groups, and that's why it's not just and young all people.
1: Yeah, all abilities as well. You know, if somebody's in a wheelchair or anything like that, you absolutely do apply. You know, yeah. just maybe mark it down in your application so that we'll kind of take note of that when we're casting people.
2: But don't let a walking stick put you off applying, is what you're absolutely saying? Absolutely not. No, Great. no. <laughs> Great. Okay, and um, okay, so the, it's it's holding extras at gmail dot com. And when exactly. can people expect to hear if they have been successful, Marie?
1: Uh, so basically what we do is we're doing our database at the moment and what we do is we will send a text to people when we're looking for people. Okay. Um, And, you know, it, it, some people might be called early on, some people might be called in September. It kind of just depends on what we're looking for on a specific day and depending on the scene as well, you know.
2: And will people turn up in their own clothes or will there be costumes?
1: Um. Well, it is modern settings. So we haven't actually... I, Discuss that with the costume designer. I mean, there are some things where we might be getting people to play forensic scientists or guards, so there will be costumes provided for that. But for the majority, I would. I'm not going to say yeah. for conscience as a designer that yeah you'd have to bring in maybe some of your own clothes yeah, um, yeah. that
2: you'd be in, in them you know yeah like if it was a sunny day you'd ask people to, to dress as if they were going for a day out in the sunshine or if it was a winter day, yeah. stick a coat yeah. on, you, on you kind of, kind of thing and yeah. Camille what is the going pay rate for a film extra? Uh, well, it's minimum wage, oh, um,
1: so it depends on how many hours you're in, you know. But it's, it's definitely above minimum wage. You know, we haven't actually worked out our rate fully yet, um, but it, you are paid, obviously. That's great. That's great.
2: Rate, you know? It's a going rate, But it's all part, as I said at the outset. It's all part of the excitement of being. I was in yeah. the movies. I was in a film. Well,
1: it, it's a great experience for people who might, even, you know, I don't, I know, I was kind of saying that a lot of younger people are applying, but anybody who. Um, might be interested in working in film and not just as an actor but you know behind the scenes it's a great way to actually learn how a film set works
2: that's a really good point um,
1: yeah. and then it's also like I know my uncle I, I was um, the assistant extras coordinator on the Young Offenders and my uncle came out and he um, was an extra for a day and he was just like gobsmacked you know because it is kind of a really good experience you know um, to see what what it's like you know and then your feds for the day as well. Oh, like and we food and... <laughs> and <laughs> you look after everyone. <laughs> yeah, we do look after everyone, you know, and I think it, it's going to be a nice film set as well. I think everyone seems lovely at the moment, all the crew and, and the cast.
2: Yeah, and the whole COVID thing is so a bit of a nightmare, mm-hmm. isn't it, for filming at the moment? Yeah, it is, absolutely.
1: You know, but what we would require from everybody who is coming into film and extras included is that everybody has to come in 72 hours before they are due to shoot and they have to do a COVID test and um based on that then we'll be able to either film with them or not
2: well done well done yeah. okay so it's holdings Extras Holding Case Holding I'm putting the S in the wrong place Holding extras. extras at gmail.com, at gmail.com. Obviously yeah. holding the the, the name at uh, the name of well, what was the name of the book we don't know if it's going to be the name of the title of the TV series or not Anyway listen good luck with it Marie and Thanks get back you, on to us if you're stuck for any particular age group or if you're looking for yes. any particular child we'd be only I too glad I, to chat I with you I think we will
1: be looking for more specific things later
2: on you know so don't fear We will look forward to chatting to you good luck with it Alright Thank and thanks a much. million. Bye bye. Uh, Marie Boylan, there, who is the Extras coordinator with uh, Duneen Productions. And anyone who's ever been an extra on any movie will tell you it is such a fun, fun thing to do. So if you have time on your hands, end of July through to September and you'd like to get involved, all age groups, all abilities and please we encourage you uh, to get involved and if you don't have access to an email perhaps talk to a family member uh, and they'll be able to fill in the application. It's not even even an application that you have to fill in, you just need to send on the details that Marie uh, mentioned which is your your height, your name, your age, your measurements your measurements is your height, your waist size, your chest size and your, your your shoe size and a full length good quality photograph of yourself and leave the filter out please 1850 333103 Bernie taking your call Tim in kalekill contacted the programme a couple of minutes ago to say he has passed a blue van uh, parked on the Glengareth Road in Bantry and whoever was driving that blue van has left the lights on so he's asked us to put a shout out in the hope that somebody listening uh, will realise that's my blue van uh, now maybe they've just gone away for a few minutes and they're picking up a cup of coffee or they're picking up something for their business and and they'll be back but uh, Tim is just fearful in case somebody parked it up and has gone away on a job and may be listening to the radio and realises that's my van because if they are gone away on a job and they could be away for the day and then heading back to the van they will have a very flat, flat battery by the time they get back. So a blue van parked on the Glengareth Road in Bantry. If it's yours can you go back please and switch your lights off and thanks to uh, Tim for contacting us. Helen in Mallow has contacted us because she has a ticket for the Bon Jovi concert in Mallow Racecourse for Saturday, this Saturday night, the 26th of June. And she's willing to give it away. She bought the ticket and is not able to go. It admits a car and up to five passengers. But I thought that that concert had been cancelled. I know it was originally due for... Uh, the tw- was it the twenty second? It was it was originally due or early. Anyway, it, it, wa- it certainly was cancelled in one stage, but it must be. According to Helen, it's it's back on. Anyway, uh, she has a ticket and uh, she can't go, and she wants to give it away. She's not selling it; she just literally wants to give it away. She doesn't want it to go to uh, waste. We have her contact details. If you put a call through to Barney, we can link you up with Helen. And I suppose first come, first served. If somebody, uh, the first in that can get through to uh, Helen can pick up that ticket if you Bon Jovi fan it admits a car and up to five passengers and it's at the race course in Mallow this Saturday night 1850 you can get through to Bernie on that one please now also can thank you to Dominic who has sent me on the link from Cork County Council on the Road Speed Review remember the interview that we did uh, earlier in the week with Councillor Anthony Barry uh, and he mentioned that if you went to Cork County Council's website and Dominic actually was on to us immediately to say I've gone on to Cork County Council's website and I can't find anything to do with the speed limit review and then myself and John Paul spent time on the website as well and we couldn't find it either and then when we looked into it it looked like we we not that we'd done the interview too early but that they didn't have the actual application for submissions up online but it's gone up online now and thank you to Dominic who sent me on the links so if you go to CorkCoco.ie and it you're looking for the speed limit review that's for anyone living in an area where you feel that the speed limit needs to be changed now is the time to have your speak or forever hold your tongue. Well you'll have five years to hold your tongue because it's every five years that they actually review the speed limit. So you live in an area and you think that cars are driving too fast and they drive too fast in your area because the speed limit maybe it's at 50 and you think it would be more suitable at 30 kilometres per hour And God knows we only heard about Kenny's Cross and Castle Lines where it is 80 kilometres and the cars seem to be just and trucks flying down that road. But as we know from our interview yesterday, they have a whole host of different reasons and different problems going on there. But anyway, I digress. If you would like to have your say on the speed limit review, and this will cover 2021 uh, to 2022, and it'll be September, I think, of 2022 when I looked into it, that the new speed limits will come in. But you can put your submission in now. Go to corkcoco.ie. Speed limit review. Uh, thank you, Dominic, for that. Now, also coming into us on. Let me go to some of your texts. Still getting lots of texts in from people saying that there, there seems to be a lot of those scam calls doing the rounds this morning, the 0871 looking for your PPS number saying you're going to be investigated, and all that. They're all scams. But I suppose the more we mention it the better the chance we have of getting the message out to people in the hope that we don't get anybody caught. They'll eventually get fed up, you would like to think and that they will stop ringing uh, people. AstraZeneca and people worried about AstraZeneca and uh, people in the main, I think, concerned Because they want their second shot because we've been told with the Delta variant, anyone who's only had a first shot of any vaccine, you're only 30% uh, covered. But then you've got another cohort of people who are not that happy about AstraZeneca. And that's summed up in this text to say the thing that needs to change are the idiots at the top, not my words, the listeners' words. They're trying to fob us off with AstraZeneca and it is lesser effective because it's cheap and they don't want to throw it out and they aren't worried how protected we are. They could easily top us up with a Pfizer or Moderna jab but then that would be more costly for them and they would have to put their stock of AstraZeneca aside I don't believe for one minute, says this texter, that two jabs of AstraZeneca gives 90% effectiveness. The trials didn't show that. The trials showed it was 62 I think it was 62% uh, initially after the trial data came back and now 90 90% I believe it is something that is been said uh, totally unsubstantiated to build confidence in the vaccine, so that we'll go back for the second one. They are guilty of blatant age discrimination, and we'll pay the price if people in that age group die, and then they'll sue for negligence in making in making ample protection available to an at-risk uh, age group. Okay, says so listeners. Obviously, one of the people waiting, I'm assuming, for a second AstraZeneca shot. Okay, you are right that in the initial trials for AstraZeneca, it came out at something like sixty-two, sixty-three percent. Which, by the way, this time last year when we were, we knew all the scientists were frantically working to try to get a vaccine. If they could have got any vaccine to come out at 50%, they would have gone to the world with that and would have been happy uh, with that. So when the initial, the MNR ones came out had been in the 90s, like the Pfizer and the Moderna, there was huge excitement. And then AstraZeneca came out at somewhere around the mid 60s, but still a very, very effective vaccine. But you are right, that was in the trials. It's when you bring a vaccine out into the world that you really test the effectiveness uh, of it. And while they said in trials, which is a much smaller number of people than when you start giving it to tens of millions of people, and that's when you can really see the effectiveness uh, of it. So when you say that that... Coming out and saying it's, I think it's ninety two percent effective. That that's unsubstantiated. It's not. There is very very clear documentation there. I mean, if you just look to the UK, because the UK have given out the biggest number of AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca and Pfizer have been the two main vaccines that they've been using in the in the UK. But they've given a huge amount of AstraZeneca, and that's where the evidence is coming from. That it is very, it's a very effective vaccine, and it is very effective against the the Delta strain. And in England, because they now have, what is it, 80% of their cases at the moment are with the Delta strain so they can clearly see what vaccine is working, what vaccine isn't working, what protection is working, how the unvaccinated against the vaccinated against people with one vaccine and that's where we got those figures of 30% for people with one shot of AstraZeneca or one shot of Pfizer it was from England where the Delta strain was rising that, that we went to so you're wrong in saying it's, it's unsubstantiated it's not, when you get your second shot you will be protected but it's waiting to get the second shot I think that is infuriating and is worrying people and uh, listen i've done and if you go if you want to get more i mean don't you know you don't have to trust and believe me if you go online or go to very reputable sites go to any of the medical journals for for example the lancet has produced some fantastic studies on all of the vaccines but go to recognised websites and get the information you will find all of the detail there and believe me I have done so much research into AstraZeneca because one of the most precious things in my life my daughter was given a first shot of AstraZeneca and is waiting to get her second one so it's a a vaccine I have really really looked into and do you think I would take any chance with her that I wouldn't be pushing for her to get a different vaccine if I thought that that one wasn't effective honestly it is really really effective but go and get your you know When you're saying it's totally unsubstantiated, it's not. The hard evidence is there, but it's for people who are waiting, those in their 60s and those in the Astroids groups and healthcare workers, a lot of healthcare workers got AstraZeneca. They are the ones waiting. And actually, even in our own country, when you look at the number of healthcare workers who have already had their second dose of AstraZeneca. And we know from the both the nursing homes and the healthcare workers, the fall off in both of those categories of people once they're fully vaccinated, working with patients who have COVID-19 and they're not picking it up. Why? Because they're protected because they are fully vaccinated. And here's somebody who did get their second AstraZeneca, John in Blackpool. Uh, he said, I got my first vaccine on the 23rd of April and I got my second one on the 20th of June. So he just went to the eight weeks was all John had to uh, wait. Happy out, I went to City Hall but I do feel sorry for the people who are waiting longer says uh, John. Thank you for that. 1850 and then the outdoor drinking and the outdoor dining and the guardy, and who should be doing what and discretion and turn the other way. Somebody makes an interesting point when I mentioned 17 million euro has been spent on outdoor hospitality in this country by way of grants and publicans and restaurants building these outdoor areas. Somebody says there are GP practices who have very sick patients Waiting outside the practice to go in for an appointment. There's no seating and there's no shelter on the pavements, while the council is prioritising in favour of facilities for boozers and outdoor dining. It's time that they all cop on, says a texter. While John in Carrigaline says, Patricia, here we go again. We're back to drink and alcohol. Even in lockdown, drink was a big problem. The law is not drinking on the streets. The good old Irish would just have just have drinking problems end of story it's nothing to do where they're actually drinking it's the amount that they're actually drinking Tim says I've no sympathy for publicans but if people order their drink at the counter they are within the space of the licence and consuming the drink outside is encouraged now seemingly says Tim but I think the problem is people are not going in to buy the drink at the counter therein lies the problem with the breach of the licensing law they have to have table service at the moment for outdoor dining you can you can go in to go to the loo but you can't go in and order a drink at the bar it's all done through table service and that was the, was the anomaly that the Guardian in Galway noticed it wasn't covered on the licensing laws 1850 this is on young drivers and insurance Heidi said I've already been on to you, Patricia in the past about young drivers being charged outrageous prices and the EU have actually looked into Ireland's insurance insurance uh, Ireland's insurance industry and the Irish insurance industry have been blasted for cartel-like activities after the EU found firms breaching competition rules. It's about time it was brought to book. Uh, one European commissioner says we have concerns that certain insurers and their agents are, putting, uh, are being put at a competitive disadvantage. We must have competition to bring down prices and to give us more choices in this country, says uh, Heidi. And I mentioned car insurance a couple of weeks ago when I managed to save 300 euros on the quote I got from insurance company the same uh, my insurance company that I was with the previous year uh, they sent me on a renewal and it was the same price but well, they tried to make out that it was less than it was last year but what they didn't know was I had kept a record of how much I'd paid last year and I think it came in at about a five or less but they were trying to make out that it was lower than that and that really infuriated me don't lie to me but anything else just don't don't lie to me if you're going to be honest about saying we're charging you know, roughly the same as we did last year but don't come in and say that it's much less than it was last year anyway I shopped around and I got 300 euro off mine and hobbies was in a couple of months earlier and I saved 300 euro so 600 euro saved in our house which is a sizable sum of money so I say to everyone when it comes to any kind of insurance make sure please that you shop around Talking about drinking out on the streets Clannochiltie Access Group that we did a really good interview with with their PRO Cianato uh, Sulawan uh, last week when he was saying to people to please be aware and be mindful when you're putting your tables and chairs outside for 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 both publicans and for cafes and uh, restaurants, Uh, unfortunately this text didn't get to me in time but it was when I was speaking with Michael Donovan of the Vintners uh, Federation, the Clonacility Access Group were wondering do the Vintners have any comment or reply? Publicans putting out tables, chairs and signs on footpaths without permission according to the Clonacilty Access Group it's becoming a real real issue in Clonacilty on the footpaths over the last couple of weeks which is very unfortunate and there's another two weeks of the outdoor drinking and uh, dining and I know on certainly yesterday we had some calls in from people saying just trying to push a pram down a street had become difficult in some of our towns with the numbers of tables and chairs that are uh, outside. Uh, Patricia the meaning of discretion by a member is allowing them to break the law but they don't have that power. So can we now drive on footpaths as we could surely we can do it at their discretion. I also want to say hotels and restaurants don't appear to want money. There was one hotel in East Cork. The outdoor area was empty before seven on Sunday and they were saying no food without booking. Do they not want our business? I'm really surprised to hear that. I thought because a lot of businesses are doing bookings and if they have facility for walk-ins, I think the vast majority of businesses, you were just probably unlucky with the one that you arrived at. 1850 333103 Bernie's taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103103. C one oh three jobs. A ground worker is wanted for Cork City. You must have valid safe pass and you also need to have manual handling. SLG operator that's wanted for Cork City while a community support worker is wanted this is for a befriending service to clients in their own homes in the Mitchelstown Formoy area community employment rates will apply General operatives are wanted for full time positions in allied profiles. They're based in Quartertown in Mallow. And full time permanent chefs at all grades are wanted for a busy hotel in Kinsale. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
0: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on scene 103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Now, unfortunately,
2: knife crime is on the increase in this country. With only last Saturday, three men had to be hospitalized in separate attacks within an hour of each other in Dublin. That's prompted a call from Fine Gael Deputy
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. PlushCare.com slash Neil
2: Richmond for a knife amnesty to be introduced in this country. And uh, Deputy Neil Richmond of uh, Dublin, Rathdown constituency joins me. Good morning to you, Neil. Good morning. Uh, and you're welcome. You have suggested we follow a Scottish, Scottish model to tackle knife crime. Can you just outline to our listeners what they did in Scotland and how successful was it?
4: So about 15 years ago, Glasgow would have been known as the knife and murder capital of Europe. And the Scottish government took a really proactive approach by setting up the Violence Reduction Unit. Now, there's many strands to this. The first bit was treating knife crime not just as a criminal justice matter, but a public health matter, an education matter, and a youth services matter. So that meant intervention at a very early age with um, local schools, sports clubs, uh, youth groups on the streets involving um, local police as well as teachers, coaches, uh, public health nurses, everything else. They also introduced a couple of other measures, including, as you mentioned, the knife and weapons amnesty, which had, had huge success. And now we go down and Glasgow probably is the lowest crime rate mm. of any city across Great Britain.
2: Yeah, it has been hugely, hugely uh, successful. How big an issue do you believe knife crime has become in this country, Neil?
4: It's increasing steadily. So in the last four years, we've seen a, a 10% increase in hospitalizations and um, from knife injuries, stabbing, slackings, and we're seeing a steady increase in the number of cases and convictions involving knives. The really worrying thing, Patricia, is the profile of the people who are being caught with the knives or are using them. This isn't adults. This is teenage, teenagers, secondary school students, and um, many of whom... Never intended to do anything with the knife, but at the end of the day, if you have a knife with you, you're more likely to use it, or sadly, you're more likely to have it used against you.
2: It's so hard to understand how somebody goes out actually carrying a knife.
4: It's very, um, very difficult to understand, but unfortunately it's, it's habit building and people get to the stage where they feel they have to have a knife. And what we're seeing a steady increase of people coming to my office and in discussions with the local guardee. It's that mum or dad who found a knife in their son's school bag or under their daughter's bed, you know, the 12 or 13-year-old kid. um, And what do you do with a knife? And we're not talking about um, a kitchen knife um, taken. We're talking about very serious um, daggers as we know them or, you know, fishing knives or hunting knives. And in my own constituency, and I know there was a couple of really high-profile incidents, sadly, in Cork in the last couple of years or two, I had a 17-year-old boy killed kilometers from my own home in a row over a bicycle
2: oh my god and that's the whole thing like nobody sets out to kill kill somebody but the sad, sad reality is lives have been lost lives have been destroyed because if a fight breaks out and somebody pulls a knife there there's no happy ending to that it's just it's it's dreadful like lives are destroyed because of it
4: absolutely and we do have a very extreme sad cases where uh, a knife going in the wrong place and all of a sudden they sever an artery or the person bleeds out long before an ambulance can even get there or someone's left with a really disfiguring injury, you know, serious mental um, impacts as well. And you have parents getting that dreaded phone call, sometimes even in the in the middle of the afternoon um, with some very, very bad news. So it's keeping knives out of people's hands, off the streets, and we have some really good plans started by Helen McEntee before she went to maternity leave, continued by Heather Humphreys. but we really need to see those accelerated now. A lot of people, Patricia, will say, like, oh, well, we need mandatory sentences. We need tougher sentences. And, of course, there is an argument for that, but often that's far too late. Someone's been hurt. Someone's been killed. We need to hit the knives off the streets now. And we look at a weapons amnesty. We've done that before. We it was it
2: done in, in, yeah, I was just going to say, it was because Limerick, um, God help the good people of Limerick, they went on a stab city at one stage.
4: Yeah, a really unfortunate nickname, one absolutely not relevant today. And in 2006, they did a month-long um, weapon and knife amnesty, and they took over 300 knives off the streets. People just deposited them in a deposit box at the local guard station, no questions asked. And as I said, the people who tend to do that was the, was the mum or the dad who are worried, petrified or the teacher who's found this in a school bag or a locker and they've taken it off. But where do you put it? You can't put it in the bin. You can't mm. just
2: throw it away. How Each do you dispose of it? Yeah. 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 Um, somebody's asking where do they, how do they get their hands on these knives? If it isn't your kitchen knife, uh, where are they? It's possible to buy those knives.
4: Absolutely. Like you know, some of these knives can just be at home innocently. Someone might need them, as I said, for fishing or if they're into game sports or something like that. You can order them off the internet. It's a lot easier to buy a knife, just like it's a lot easier to buy, say, a baseball bat than it is a gun. Hardened criminals carry guns, far too prevalent as it is, but knives are completely accessible. You can also modify a Stanley knife that someone maybe has taken out of a toolbox that was used for cutting up a car park, or a carpet, sorry, and that can be taken all of a sudden, that's in a school bag. Then you have the the more elaborate ones, the flick knives, the, the switch knives. They're very easy to get a hold of. We do have some prohibitions, but at the end of the day, um, people will still get them and they'll carry them around for months on end and then finally one time they'll either use it, they said, they'll have it used against them,
2: yeah, yeah, and, and we've had tragic cases where that has happened, certainly here in Cork. Do the Gardaí Neil seize a lot of knives from people, do you know?
4: They do seize a lot of knives, but one thing that our Gardaí need, well, two things that our Gardaí need is they need that. The level of resources that the Gardaí have been given over the last couple of months to the pandemic, that needs to be maintained. The level of numbers being attested out at of Temple more, the ability to put guards on the street in problem areas, um, not just on the cars but on the beach on the bicycles um, and also to be given the time, the community and the juvenile liaison officers to go into local schools uh, local youth diversion programmes to just talk to this is what carrying a knife will lead to and the second they need the ability to, to not just seize but search where appropriate now this is something that's very delicate and has to be handled very, very delicate we aren't in the crisis situation yet but the numbers are going in the wrong direction and we need to accelerate existing plans to ensure we don't become like a London or a Paris.
2: Mm. More Gardaí patrolling on the streets, somebody is saying, surely that's the answer.
4: It's one of the answers, and uh, something that I've been a huge supporter of and indeed as have um, the various garda guard- unions, but that's only part of it. The police can't cover every street, every house party. We need to get in, to the schools, the youth groups, the non traditional areas beyond that, um, to advise of the dangers of knives, how much damage they can cause to the person who carries them and just take them off the streets.
2: Mm. Okay, okay. And how, how close do you think you are to getting an IF amnesty? Do you think you'll you'll get it through government?
4: Um I'm not I'm not that optimistic at the moment. There is understandable concern about, well, making sure weapons aren't tied to ongoing investigations. However, what I think we are going to see and we are starting to see is a real ramping up of the the youth justice strategy that will underpin um, the, the, the sort of Scottish model, that approach that we've seen, and we do see the guardie on the streets, and it's about keeping the level of guardie numbers that we've had during the pandemic, and continuing to increase them as is in the programme for government.
2: Because yeah, the guardie themselves are putting themselves at risk if they're approaching somebody who's carrying an knife, aren't they?
4: Yeah. 10 years ago, Gardy, you weren't even wearing stab vests. Yeah, yeah. So we have to make sure that they have the equipment they need stab vests in due course, body cams, the proper um, gloves, and things like that. But really, it gets back to the, the the long work that has to go in to ensure that the knives don't get on the street um, in the first place. There's no quick fix to this. A knife amnesty could definitely lead to a temporary easing and a temporary relief but it needs to be matched uh, by the increased of resources by the work going into community talking to 12, 13, 14 year old children that need to be spoken to yeah. their parents, their guardians, their coaches, their teachers, their community leaders, their mentors. And um, The last thing you want is to lose a I know, 14 year old child. It's the worst phone call a parent uh, ever dreads getting.
2: And the ripple effect it'll have on all of their young friends as well. It's it's, it's, it's dreadful. Okay, uh, Bernard in uh, Black Rock says, well done uh, to this Doll deputy. It's uh, Neil Richmond from Dublin, Rathdown for speaking up on this. It is about time that the government looked at this seriously. Our streets have become too dangerous. Something needs to be done. Oh, okay, Neil, we leave it there. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks so much. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is Fine Gael Dáil deputy, Neil Richmond and uh, he's in Dublin Rathdown constituency. 1850 333, 103 Barney's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Record today on Scene 103.
0: Call Patricia with your comment. 1850
2: 333 103. Now one of the things that the pandemic has shown us is how important a good broadband connection is for our daily lives. Everything from working at home, schooling the children, or just trying to sit down and watch a good movie. Joining me with advice on how to get the best from your broadband is Sky Tech Expert, and that's. Uh, Stephen Small. Good morning to you, Stephen. Good morning, Patricia. And How are you? This morning. Uh, well, I'm very well, thank you. Is it fair to say that people can get very frustrated when the broadband is playing up?
5: Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I've been in that position myself, as I'm, as I'm sure everyone else has at some point or another. Um, we, we carried out research recently enough um, and about a third of all people in Cork say that their broadband difficulties leave them frustrated or very frustrated at times. So, yeah, the, the, the research will bear that out.
2: OK, so you have some tips for us on how we can improve our broadband. Uh, the first one, and one I hadn't thought about, relocating of the broadband hub.
5: Yes, yes. And it might seem something really, really simple. But um, the position you have the router in, it, it's going to be determined by where your your socket is. Okay, but something as simple as don't leave the line on the floor. If you have a cabinet or a shelf or something that you can raise it up off the floor from, that's going to increase the the strength of the signal that gets throughout the house. Something as simple as that. If you have it in a cabinet, try and take it out from the cabinet if if you can at all possibly do that. Um, And likewise, don't have or reduce the amount of of electrical interference. And um, what I mean by that is don't have it in behind the telly. You know, or or if you can, if you have a, um, a cordless phone, try and move the cordless phone away from it because anything kind of electrical is going to have an impact on the. the
2: and a, I, I think that's where most people have their broadband router is close to where the phone is and near to the TV. And if it's near to the TV, it's near to any of the games consoles that the kids might have.
5: It uh, that is true. That is true. And I suppose some people take it from the perspective that the closer they have it to uh, to the device, the stronger the signal is yeah. going to be. That is. That is very true. The closer you can get to the device, the stronger the signal is going to be. But the opposite of that is also the case as well. Electrical interference will will impact the signal and quite significantly, quite severely at times.
2: And does that even include, you know, devices that are in the kitchen? Like having, you know, we have a lot of electrical devices in the kitchen.
5: Yeah, believe it or not, uh, many years ago when I was uh, an agent working on the phones, we had an issue where a customer had their broadband dropping out at the same time every day. And this was an issue that was going on. Oh, for weeks. We, we couldn't figure out what was going on until we came to the conclusion that it was when the kids were coming home from school and turning on the microwave. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so don't have the router on top of the microwave. Don't have the router
5: on top of the <laughs> microwave. That's exactly it. <laughs> but but,
2: but I even read, even my, well, I love my fairy lights, even the fairy oh, lights.
5: Yeah, fair, fairy lights. Anything electrical will emit radiation. When well, I say radiation, will emit kind of interference of sorts, you know. So at Christmas time, um, where in the house I used to live in, where we had our Christmas tree, was right beside where the router was, and I had to get the wife to stop putting tinsel on the tree because the tinsel would reflect the the, the Wi-Fi signal. Tinsel, things that you wouldn't consider, you yeah. know. Fish, well, fish tanks would be another one.
2: So away from as much electrical interference as possible, as possible. but closest to where you're going to be using the internet. <laughs> I,
5: I don't know. I know it, it can be a difficult balance to strike at times, but yeah.
2: OK, but then what about when, and this particularly happened during a lockdown with children being home and the homeschooling and people trying to work, lots of devices connected. Are we right in saying that that slows down? That that's where you've got households roaring. Who's, who's watching a movie? I'm trying to send a work email. You know, those arguments that go on in every household. Yeah,
5: yeah that can be the case. All right. You know, the, the, the speed that comes into your house is then shared across all of the devices. So it's not a case that the speed that comes into your house, each device is going to get that exact speed. It's split out across them. Um, And as you say, working from home, a lot of people are going to be connected over a VPN or virtual private network. And that's going to slow down the connection to an extent as well. Now, for a lot of people, um, gaming online and and conference calls and video calls and, and, and bits and pieces like that, it it should be achievable. It should definitely be achievable. But uh, unfortunately, depending upon the games that someone's carrying out or the games that someone's playing, they can use about an awful lot of speed. Or if you're downloading something in ultra high definition, that's going to use up a huge amount of speed as well.
2: Yeah, and this. It, it, talk to me about the virtual private networks that you're talking about. This is for people working from home. is, yeah. uh, is there is there things that people can do there?
5: Um. It, <laughs> There, There isn't a reason, like, uh, to be perfectly honest with Tricia, a lot of people, when they're connected to a, to a VPN, it's going to be for security reasons. And the security reasons will be from the company side of things. So they will restrict site access, or they will restrict sites that you can connect to and, and may even kind of slow it down. Um, so whilst it might look like everything is working slowly, that could be just as a security side of things. If you are finished your work for the day and it's possible for the job that you're doing, turn off your laptop, don't just put it on standby turn it off completely, you know there's, we're killing two birds with one stone there, number one you're you're going to cut down on your electricity bill, um, mm. you know, we're, we're going to be that little bit more eco-friendly, but secondly it'll also speed up your broadband a wee bit too.
2: Yeah, and we're all guilty of that, aren't we, leaving <laughs> things on a standby, standby Absolutely. mode. Absolutely,
5: yeah. I'm guilty of it myself as well, yeah. I have to say
2: And one that I wouldn't have thought of changing your wireless channel can yeah. help. it
5: can now, it's there's two ways of doing this. Um, number one, you can turn your router off, leave it off for a minute or two, turn it back on again, and what will happen is the, the router will then assign a new wireless channel. Um, and there's only the reason why that's kind of important is there's only a limited number of wireless channels available, and everybody uses them. They're not unique to you, they're not unique to your router. Every um, broadband router uses the same 13 channels. So turning it off and turning it back on again—that old cliche can, yeah. sometimes, can sometimes speed things up again. But what you can also do is, <clears throat> excuse me, if uh, if you didn't feel comfortable enough yourself, you can contact your own provider, and what they can do is set it so that it will just operate on the one channel. You can set manually assign one single Wi-Fi channel, and it will stay on that one.
2: Okay, but it is a simple one, you know, because you hear that from the IT boys when you ring. What you just switch and turn it on, turn it it off. off. (laughs) But it it
5: actually does work. It really does. It it genuinely does work. And how that another kind of bit of insight is, if you're in in an urban area, if you're in a housing estate or more so in an apartment complex, you know, you could have routers all around you, and they're all going to be operating on one of. Generally, they operate on one of three Wi-Fi channels. Um, So that's why sometimes it could be beneficial to manually assign one. There are tips and tricks as to how to do it uh, on, on the internet but if it's something that you didn't feel comfortable enough doing your internet provider can certainly help you
2: do that. Alright, but the fact that the neighbour could be doing something that's slowing down your internet that you weren't even aware of. That's, yeah, there yeah, is an element yeah. of that, unfortunately. Okay, and I know you're going to join us again uh, next week if anyone has particular questions about broadband in their own homes. If you want to get questions uh, into us for Stephen and we'll get them to Stephen uh, in plenty of time and he'll join us uh, next week and, and we'll go We'll go through those with uh, Stephen at this time uh, next week, but Sky, you are in partnership with the National Broadband Ireland. You are bringing ultra-fast broadband to Cork, isn't
5: we, it? We are indeed. We are indeed. As it's rolling, out, rolling across the county, um, with it's. It's, I'll well, say, brand new technology. It's completely different technology to what we're used to. The, the broadband most people have at the moment is based on the old copper telephone lines, and I'm sure, most of those have been around for donkey's years at this stage. Whereas uh, the, the the new national broadband plan and national broadband Ireland product is fibre to the home, so it's a uh, a brand new fibre optic cable straight into your house. And what that will uh, what that'll do is bring in speeds of up to one gigabit per second now. Throwing out numbers there, but to, to put that into context, it would allow you to download a, a high definition movie in seconds rather well. than, than minutes or hours.
2: And how can people find out if it's available in their area?
5: What they can do is if they go on to sky.com, uh, they can, if they're an existing customer or a new customer, they can enter in their air code uh, and that'll give a good indication as to if it's available in their area.
2: Okay, you're, you're a mine of information. Obviously, <laughs> you, your broadband works perfectly in your house, does it? Uh,
5: it does at the moment, thankfully. Is there
2: ever Has there ever been any arguments about it?
5: Um, In the house we're in at the moment No thankfully And and I'm very fortunate Because there's myself uh, My wife Both of us are working from home uh, and I have your, your stereotypical sullen crumpy uh, teenage child as well <laughs> <laughs> who lives on the internet absolutely the phone is never out of his hand.
2: <laughs> listen there, there's so many parents nodding away to you on that one <laughs> yes same in my house listen Stephen a real pleasure we'll talk to you again uh, next week in the meantime thank you for that and thanks for joining us thanks Patricia have uh, a good day uh, good morning to you well. if you have a question for Stephen uh, he'll be joining us again next week any uh, questions at all to do with broadband and getting the best out of your broadband, as I say, it's one of the most frustrating things when the broadband isn't working at just the time when you're trying to do something. 1850 333 103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. We've been talking about scams and trying to keep people informed about various scams that are doing the rounds by phone. not The amount of calls coming in this morning seems to be, the world's mother seems to be getting calls from the the pre-recorded one uh, saying that the, it's the, gar, the gardi that one seems to be the one that's most prevalent at the moment. But I was reading in the papers today that an accommodation fraud is, there's a big scam going on in Cork City at the moment and uh, hopeful tenants have been duped out of thousands of euro. Liz Dunphy is writing about this in the Examiner today and I think because people are so desperate to find accommodation that when people think they found their ideal accommodation they're not asking the questions that they should be asking and it's It seems from the 1st of January to the 1st of June this year. Gardy, this is just in Cork City. They say they've had 20 incidents of accommodation fraud and individuals have lost anything. The lowest amount was €450, but it went right up to one person being scammed out of nearly €5,500. And just in that short six-month period, more than €24,000 has been scammed out of people. That's just in Cork City and Sergeant Brian McSweeney who's the crime prevention officer for Cork City uh, because obviously they're seeing so much of it's coming out warning that the scams often involve properties being advertised on a social media platform the scammer this is the same story that they seem to use every time when you go to try to meet the landlord the scammer will say oh sorry I'm living abroad at the moment I'm working abroad of course COVID now is a great thing can't even fly home so I can't get to actually meet you in uh, person so I'm unable to show you the property but I can send you on the photographs and you know you can see it all online and then they request a deposit to say give us a deposit to secure it and we'll send you on the keys now they've even some of these scam artists have gone to such a length that they've sent on keys to people so keys arrive and people believe oh yeah this is genuine so then they send on even more money and then when they go to the property try to put the key in the door guess what The key won't open the door. Somebody else then opens the door to say, what are you doing trying to get into my house? And you discover that somebody else is living there. So, Sergeant Brian McSweeney is warning people to make sure that the house exists before you pay one cent of a deposit. He suggests that you meet the landlord on the site. Don't be fobbed off with somebody saying that they're living abroad. I would be straight away hanging up immediately are disconnecting if I was contacting by email if somebody told me that they lived abroad so meet the landlord he also says use a bank draft for the deposit and make sure that the keys fit the door before you sign the contract it seems like a simple one but actually go into the property walk around the property and make sure that the property is available for uh, rent he was speaking at the Cork City's Joint Policing Committee but shocking to see the number of people 24,000 euro between the 1st of January and the 1st of June just in Cork City please be careful 1850 333 103. our lines are open text or whatsapp 0862 103, 103. I forgot to mention this yesterday yesterday was I, I mentioned it was the summer solstice and the longest day of the year and actually I was even going to bed last night after after half past ten I was in, there was still a brightness there it was it was just gorgeous uh, to see it and of course yesterday was the 21st day of the 21st year of the 21st century Fancy that, says R. Bernie. Uh, I should have mentioned that uh, yesterday. Now actually somebody who has a special day happening not yesterday but tomorrow that I want to give a quick mention to is our own Clonacilty regional reporter Eileen Kingston. I've been told Eileen you are celebrating a very special birthday today. It is your 80th birthday and anybody who knows Eileen Kingston will know what a fresh busy lady she is for somebody who's about to celebrate her 80. At, uh, birthday. She's been our Clonakilty region reporter for, for decades now and she's also of course was a Secretary of the South of Ireland Brass Bands Championship. 40 years she held that particular title and I would have interviewed her on many many occasions in advance of the South of Ireland Brass Bands Championships which were held on many many occasions in Clonakilty. Anyway I've been asked to get in early with the request her husband Dennis has been on to us wanting to wish her all the best for her birthday tomorrow her daughters Anne Catherine Mary, Nellie and Louise and of course the sons Dennis and James grandchildren wider circle of friends and family and she's a huge huge circle of friends believe me she's very very well known in the Clan Kilty and surrounding areas so happy birthday for tomorrow Eileen we're getting in nice and early uh, with that we hope you have a wonderful wonderful day Eileen Kingston in Clan, and then Sheila in the Scriffin has been on to say does anybody know is the annual mass at St John's Well in the Mushra Mountains in Kincorny does anybody know if it's going ahead this year and I'm assuming last year we'd have been in the throes of the the pandemic as well and it would have been cancelled it is it should be on this Thursday And uh, she doesn't, she can't find out locally if it's going ahead or not. So does anybody know, needs somebody who's involved with the organising of the annual mass at St. John's Well in the Mushra Mountains in Kilcorny? Is it going ahead this Thursday or not? I mean, I know it'll be an outdoor event, but maybe... you know, we're still into social distancing and all of that actually talking to masses I saw and I just don't know where this priest was from but and I don't it, it certainly wasn't in Cork it was somewhere up the country I saw a priest on Sunday and I don't know whether I saw it in a paper or whether I saw it online but somebody put up a photograph of a priest who decided because the weather was so good on Sunday and obviously all of the churches are still limited with 50 isn't it being allowed into uh, to Sunday Mass or indeed any Mass so he decided with the beautiful day that, that he was that he'd move move the church outside and it was in it looked like it was on some kind of a GAA pitch they set up an altar and then they put out the chairs and it allowed for more than 50 parishioners to attend mass on Sunday and I thought it was a terrific idea in a priest who decided to think a little bit outside the box and I'm assuming he's having an issue in that more people are turning up for mass that he can actually facilitate it because he's caught with the 50s. I thought it was a terrific idea. Now, I know it will be very much dependent on when we have good weather, but last weekend, remember with we that lovely weather, Sunday in particular, was really, really beautiful. I just thought it was really great of him to have the forward planning to think about it. Well, let's move the mass outside. And obviously, you know, they set up some speakers and a microphone and the parishioners turned up, it looked like, in great uh, numbers. Anyway, I digress. If anyone can let us know the mass at St. John's Well in the, Mo- in the Mushroom Mountains in Kilcorny, is it going ahead or not this year? Sheila in Lisgriffin is asking. Please, 1850-333-103. you can text us. Mary was on to us early by text and she's wondering about casinos. Is it true that casinos are not due to reopen until the 5th of July? Because she says she knows of a casino that is open and she can't understand how the casino is open when all casinos are not, are not meant to open. So I checked in just to see what were... Where, what do casinos fall under? And casinos fall under indoor hospitality. So that's your restaurants inside, bars, nightclubs and casinos I don't know if all nightclubs are, are going to be opening or not and there at the beginning of July the 5th of July is the date that we are expecting even though there's going to be another meeting of Neffet and they'll keep a close eye on what's happening with, with the numbers and with the Delta variant and all of that but yes casinos fall in under indoor hospitality so no I have no way of knowing uh, Mary why that particular casino that you're talking about why, they're, why they are still open and I don't know whether they closed did they close during lockdown and then reopened I, I don't know how they're, how they're managing to do that because, according to what I've checked out there, casinos fall under indoor hospitality, and we know that indoor hospitality is not allowed at the moment. Hi, Patricia. I passed through McCroom yesterday. I was disappointed, and to be honest, says Dan and Nimrick, I was actually angry to see how the outdoor dining sections have taken over the footpaths. It's forced pedestrians off the path and onto the old car parking slots with just a few slimsy orange posts protecting the pedestrians surely the pedestrians should have priority on the footpath and put the and move the dining areas they should be on the car parking spots says Dan in uh, Limerick and he, he noticed that while driving through Macroom and of course I would say it's not just Macroom uh, that is in many towns while the outdoor dining is going on all of those little businesses trying to do the best that they can they can't serve food inside so they're caught but certainly yes we are hearing it is causing problems for people who have being forced off the footpath and onto the road we were talking about speeding and the speed limits and you can now go on to Cork County Council they're doing their speed limit review if you're in an area and you think the speed limit is too fast and needs to be reduced have your speak please a regular listener says the speed of cars and trucks from the stretch of road from Dano's Super Value in Mallow to the Church of the Resurrection is beyond appalling there's one particular local company and their trucks would nearly blow you off the footpath uh, it is absolutely shocking and if are they going above I don't know what that's a fairly built up area. Is that a thirty kilometer zone or is it a fifty kilometer zone? I know a lot of people in certainly in residential areas would like if every single residential area was thirty kilometers and we had that woman and we actually spoke with her a couple of years ago. I remember her little boy was killed in their neighbourhood on a car that was doing 50 kilometres and the car wasn't speeding because 50 kilometres was allowed in that area and she fought really hard to have speed limits reduced to 30 kilometres and there's been a lot of talk and a lot of people living in residential areas think that every single residential area and that is a residential area that that listener is talking about a lot of houses in, in that area between Dan O'Super Valley and the Church of the Resurrection uh, that the speed limit should be only 30 as I say I don't know if it's 30 or if it's 50 or not but, but you see the other problem and we did discuss this when we spoke with Councillor um, Andrew Barry last week when we spoke about speed limits and the need for the review of the speed limits. We did speak about enforcement. I mean the number of people say, who came on to us and said you know you can have a speed limit of 30 kilometres, 50 kilometres, 80 kilometres. You can have you know whatever speed limit you want but if we don't have it being enforced, if people don't slow down and abide by uh, the speed limits, what good is, is it having a speed limit? But people if you think the speed limit is too high in your area, you do now have an opportunity by going on to the Cork County Council uh, website 1850 333 Sally in West Cork, and I don't know if this is a new scam or not, she just received a call to her mobile phone and she said it came up as an Irish phone number, woman's voice. She said definitely it was a recorded message. It was uh, an 085 number, even though Sally has sent on the number and it's 05385. I mean, if it was an Irish number, it was, zero, if it was maybe 353, maybe you've just typed in the wrong number. Anyway, so say it was an 085 mobile phone number. It was claiming to be from social services to say that social services had been hacked in Dublin. Now, that's, is that a new one to me? That's them picking up on that the HSE was hacked. So now suddenly somebody is saying, let's get a message out letting on that social services has been hacked, which again, we would, we would say the Department of Social Protection Protection, we would use social services. That's why often the majority of these scam artists who are putting these scams together are from outside Ireland, and that's where they get some of their wording wrong, even though they are getting a bit better. Because the one that the most popular one that's doing the rounds at the moment is claiming to be from Angarda Shiacona, and they actually say it's from the Gardaí. they don't say it's from the police. So they've learned to get the right wording in. But this one, according to Sally, said that social services have been hacked in Dublin and therefore you needed to press one immediately because obviously something was was gone wrong with you when you were dealing with uh, social services. Now, Sally said she knew straight away because it does very much... Because remember we played out the one that John Paul got. I don't know if I still have it on the screen or I don't. We had one that we managed to record and it was very obviously a pre-recorded message and to me it would actually sound a computer generated it was that pre-recorded uh, so you should you should straight away if you listen to it you should know that it is a scam uh, Sally says please please mention it on the programme do not press wrong do one do not ring back and you can contact your phone provider to block the number from calling again but well, if you have a smartphone actually you can do it yourself I don't know if the phone providers can actually block the number for you but certainly with a smartphone you can block it 1850 333 Bernie's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103103. 103
0: 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore Cork app,
5: a Cork County Council initiative. The perfect way to plan your staycation in Cork.
2: Oven's Bingo is now back every Tuesday night, so it's on tonight, half past eight, for full details on how to play the bingo and how to purchase your bingo books please log on to ovensbingo.ie. Kildallery Community Development, their local lotto draw that's on Thursday. So this Thursday at four in the community office, they have a jackpot of 2,100 euro. And uh, a reminder that Bochard National School, we spoke about them on the programme, they're holding a fundraising raffle offering you the chance to win a dream house in Killarney. They also have 35,000 euro in monthly prizes. The first draw which is for 10,000 euro is taking place this Friday. Then there'll be monthly prizes of 5,000 euro that will run from July through to November and then the draw for the big prize of the house in Killarney takes place on New Year's Eve 31st of December 2021 tickets 100 euro they can be got online at www.winyourdreamhousekillarney.com or you can contact Boho National School on 029. 76141 or by emailing office at boherbui ns.ie told the tickets are also available at Boherbui Post Office and you are told to buy early to be in with the first draw bearing in mind that that first draw is happening this Friday. Get your tickets. Cork Today on C103.
0: Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103, 103 And I
2: mentioned casinos earlier because Mary was wondering when are they open and yet she knows of one casino that's already open and Eleanor and Carrie Gleim was on to say she knows of two casinos in Cork County that are both open at the, at the moment and when you check to see she, when are casinos due to open due to Covid, uh, it said it's part of indoor hospitality which obviously is not starting until the beginning of July so I don't know how some of those casinos are managing to, uh, to open. I really don't know the answer. Sheila Mill Street says the Mass at St John's Well is not going ahead this year. OK, thank you for that uh, Sheila because it was another Sheila. Sheila and Liz Griffin was wondering so it is not going ahead. Thank you for that and thank you to Geraldine in Bantry who sent me on two most stunning photographs on WhatsApp. The sun and moon in the sky last night over Bantry, the longest day of uh, the year. Beautiful, gorgeous, gorgeous photographs. You live in a beautiful neck of the woods for sure. Uh, Georgie, thank you for sharing that uh, with us. And Martin and Mallow is on to say absolutely thrilled to hear that the government is finally going to introduce a ban on fur farming in this country. It's going to come in from next year. And Martin and Mallow says it is not before uh, time. There will be now a their the discussions are underway i think it's been discussed today actually at cabinet uh, level they'll do the final agreement to end for farming from next year there have, obviously has to be a compensation package put in place for the farmers the minister for agriculture uh, charlie mccongle yeah it's today he's bringing a memo to the cabinet on the prohibition of fur farming in Ireland, and it will begin early in 2022. And that the reason for that is allows farmers to see out the 2021 season. Now, there are approximately 120,000 mink on three farms in Ar- Ireland. There's one in Leash, there's one in Donegal, and there's one in uh, Kerry. The cabinet will be told that the three farmers will be compensated for the closing down of their operation with asset value, earnings, they'll get redundancy payments and obviously there will be demolition fees to be uh, considered in the package as well. The measure is being provided for in the amendment to the Animal Health and Wildlife Act. Now this Health and Wildlife Act dates back to 2013 and it is likely to include a provision that cats, chinchillas, dogs, Foxes. The mink and the weasels can also not be farmed for their fur or their skin. And you know something I never heard of but obviously it happens of cats and dogs being farmed for their fur or their skin. Anyway they're going to make sure that nobody opens up any kind of a fur farm in this country by including all of those other animals as well. And I think the breeding of mink a lot of people were didn't even realise that mink fur farming went on in this uh, country and it really only came under scrutiny. I know the last time we certainly spoke about it on this programme with people when we found out about these three farms. Do you remember it was last November? It was actually Dr Tony Houlihan came out about it. He was advising the culling of mink in the country and that's when people said do we have mink? Do we actually have? We thought it was wild mink he was talking about and it was because there was a link at the back end of last year there was a link of a variant of COVID-19 which was linked to mink. There had been outbreaks of COVID-19 on farms in Denmark, Greece and the Netherlands and actually in Denmark the situation got so bad that they ordered a cull of its entire mink population and then at the time Tony Houlihan I'm assuming he, maybe he knew or maybe he didn't know, discovered that we had three mink farm here and he said look guys we need to look at and he gave advice on the culling of mink in this country because of what was happening in other countries so it very much put it back on the spotlight again. Anyway, this will be the last year for those three mink farms, there will be no more farming of fur farming done in this country from the start of next next year. As I say, Martin in Mallow, particularly pleased about it. And I imagine other people who have a deep love and respect of animals will also find it very offensive that there will be any fur farming going on in this country. Eighteen fifty three 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 one o three. Bernie is taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Our lines are open. Court today on C103.
0: Call Patricia with your comment. 1850
2: 333 103. Joe Heffernan uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon Patricia. And we have primary school children breaking up for the summer holidays right across this week so we thought this would be a good time just to do a little bit of a refresher particularly with regards to COVID-19 and uh, children because Some children need a lot of reassurance and I was only talking about this actually at the weekend at home, particularly some of the smaller ones. It It can have been a very scary time for some children who might not understand really what's going on. And even though we do our best to tell them, it's nothing for you to worry about, but they're picking up on so many things. They're picking up, I suppose, on parents' anxiety. They're picking up on what's on the radio. They're picking up on what's on TV.
6: Yeah, and I'd say this can be now um, uh, a scary kind of time on account of, um, you know, they they weren't in school, then they were in school, and now they're going to be not in school again. And um, that can get misinterpreted by kids in a way. that um, Does it mean that we're all in trouble again? Does it mean that this bad old thing, this COVID thing, is um rearing its ugly head again? Um so a bit of reassurance um would wouldn't go astray at all. Just that um yeah, that it's the summer holidays and we're hoping that we'll have a, a good time and um that it's great that the people have come up with the vaccine and that it's being spread out. Um and that it's like the flu vaccine that maybe Mum and Dad maybe get um each beginning of winter. Um and that means we don't get the flu and the vaccine means we don't get the uh, the the virus thing. Um you know, uh, that kind of reassurance um would would be great um it's and for to explain to it hear.
2: and it's to explain it in it's to be age appropriate you've got yeah. to you've got to make yeah. sure that your child is understanding what you're saying, but I think it is all very much now about reassurance and also I think it's got, this summer as I feel has got a lot to do with reconnecting with grandparents. I mean there was many months and months where people weren't able to go near their grandparents the majority of the grandparents are fully vaccinated and with Tony Houlihan saying you know, throw open your doors, get back to your normal life mm. uh, again so now is the time for you know children to reconnect with grandparents and it's safe well, to hey. do it.
6: And it brings up a great sadness in myself because our only grandchild is seven thousand two hundred yeah. kilometres away. Uh, yeah, and
2: you're but, not on um, your own. There's many other people in that same boat as well. Unfortunately,
6: yeah, yeah. but no, you're you're absolutely a hundred percent correct that um, we can do a hug again. Um, uh, the 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 grandkids can visit the granny and the granddad again, and uh, that's um, lovely and wonderful for both sides of that equation, Um, both the grandchildren and the grandparents, and indeed the parents too, because, um, you know, everyone wants to see their kids as happy as possible. And um, uh, so that's a big, big plus. And uh, and again, you see, it represents as well for the children that, uh, golly, things are changing and they're changing for the better.
2: Things are getting back to normal. Yeah. And, that, and that's really what a child most needs and wants in life, isn't it? It's, it's that normality and se- to feel secure. And when life is normal, that's when you feel most secure.
6: Absolutely. And and it also, like what you've just said there, um, uh, um, uh, brings to mind for me that um, now that we are back to a fair semblance of normal and will be more normal again in July Um, to have a structure in the day is important that it isn't just um, uh, um, topsy-turvy where possible for children uh, to have a bit of structure to maybe have a fun time Um, Now, you know uh, art um, where, where a lot of children will express um, their uh, fears if they have them, or their happiness, or their reactions, anyway, uh, to how things are just now.
2: Um, and, and a painting. To encourage... Um, and if, if a child does, I mean, if you're having a bit of art play at home during the holidays and you notice something a child is drawing that may be a little bit out of the norm and that's an opportunity then to for them to talk about it and try to get them to express their fears, is it? Is, is, is that, rather than just ignoring what's in this painting, is, oh, you, yeah. that's the opportunity to start talking to the young people?
6: Oh, absolutely. To ask, like, gee, what's that about? And, um, right, um, you know, uh, you know, what, 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 um, what inspired you to, to draw that? And, um, And then, I suppose, one of the most important things of all is to have a a great amount of patience and to listen Um, and to not discount or minimize anything that you hear. Um, You know, kids take in so much. I heard a story recently of a child who was going uh, to um, preschool, and um yeah he happened to have a bit of a cough and um somebody there said to him, Oh, you you're you're going to make us all sick and he has refused to go since oh, no. um is quite uptight about the whole thing and has taken it on board that he's sort of um a danger to the community in the school and the poor little fella um ha, has um, has taken this on board uh just over a a remark, you know? So
2: And not the other child's fault who said it.
6: No. Because they've not been living
2: they've been living with this whole COVID and this coronavirus and how scary it is. Yeah. But the other little fella, if you're anyway sensitive, can take that up as I'm a danger.
6: Absolutely. Um. And will need an awful lot of reassurance and um hopefully we'll we'll re-attend soon um, and we'll get the confidence back. It's like the the bit of, what do we call it, Um, exposure response therapy. In other words, like face the fear, go to the place. um, uh, If if the child was only in there for an hour, um, it'll break that kind of uh, uh, a barrier.
2: So, yeah, yeah. A, li- a listener is saying she's quite worried about her five-year-old. He's become absolutely obsessed with hand washing, and she's yeah. really fearful that this could be, could become a problem. Is that something that we need to be watched?
6: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You see, the whole the whole area of mental health and things has been turned upside down. Like, if a person said. Previously, um, I'm meeting Norman, I'm staying in home, um, uh, other people represent a danger. You'd be thinking, right, now this is something that we need to talk about. Whereas, that's what we've been told to do, that that is the proper thing. We're hearing about wash your hands wash your hands, we're hearing it um, so often, and it's good advice, yeah, it sure is. But um, uh, previously, um, there would have been, um, you know, um, a regular OCD problem would have been excessive washing, and it would have been called contamination OCD. Um, And it would be, you know... Uh, spoken about um uh, has come up in my own uh, practice so many times, and um you know you'd be trying to get a person to maybe postpone the washing um you know i i, I spoke with a person some years ago whose hands were you know red raw from washing 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 and um so then, what do you do now? What do you say now? Because this is what the health people, and correctly so, let me stress that, are telling us Wash we need hands. to do. Yeah. So how are we going to kind of adjust back then, and to be saying, ah, "No, there's the no, no, there's no need for that much of it." You know, it's a, it's it's a very very peculiar situation because we had to adjust to being living with COVID-19, and please God, we're going to be learning to adjust to living without it. <laughs> and both are going to represent problems. And we all need a little bit of reassurance. We we, we do. Um, you know, I mean, I heard you this morning, um, you, you were saying there about um, uh, Marsha is waiting for her second jab. Mm. And you see, um, the... There's someone everywhere who's waiting for their second jab, and there are people who are waiting for their first.
2: Well, we had and, some. We, we had one of our young. Lorna's only in her twenties, and she feels they're the forgotten generation because yes. they've been told August into September before they'll get their vaccines.
6: Yes, yes, and you know I feel so so in my heart for the the younger people because. They're the people who are being told every day of the week in the papers um, uh, home ownership has become impossible. Uh, rents are back up to what they were in the days of the the madness back there. What was it? The tiger?
2: Celtic tiger, um, yeah. And you know, it's
6: tough going. It's, actually, it's actually very just, tough just,
2: going. Just as an, as an aside, when you talk about house prices, I heard of a house over the weekend, now oh, it was in Dublin, and it was 235000 over the asking price and I just thought this is just madness Whoa, yeah. How, I mean because obviously when the house went up as an asking price you know an auctioneer would have been involved saying this house is worth whatever it was say 300,000 but to go 235,000 over the asking price because of the level of interest I just thought It's
6: crazy It's nuts It's absolutely it's nuts. crazy
2: And that and is that young generation you're right they're the ones who yeah. are most affected by it
6: oh, It's tough going very tough going and i think they should be given every encouragement and every practical help um uh to uh, you know to um to ease the the, the stresses that they that they're surely feeling um, i think that's absolutely essential and um yeah Yeah. Okay. So,
2: so, so a young person. Anyway, sorry. Back to where where we were with the mm, listener with mm, the five year old mm, washing the hands. Just keep an eye on that because that could. Can a Can a five year old child develop OCD?
6: Well, I mean, uh, outstandingly, um, yes. Because I mean, we're also I mean, children. They they're like little sponges. They take in everything, and people are being told um, that if you you know pick up stuff in the supermarket uh not to be handling stuff and putting it back on the shelf again because uh that could be the cause of uh, spreading uh the covid-19 and so no um uh, uh surfaces can also become a danger uh in 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 our heads and um and 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 that can bring about another um, uh, disincentive to just go out and and live, um, go out and start um, being children again. Enjoy, I mean, I read a the headline the other day. I I don't have the whole story, but um, the headline was "Say goodbye to pass the parcel." Why children might never play party games again. I I, I felt tearful looking at it. Uh, Parents are putting a pin in pinning the tail on the donkey, and uh, COVID-19 is only partly to blame, it says. um, One of the things on it, like, was um, that uh, the children, um, uh, that one in two parents say blowing out the candles on a birthday cake is not hygienic.
2: Well, I think we all stopped doing that because of COVID. I mean, I st- yes. I, I've still only recently was with somebody celebrating a birthday and we fanned out the candles yeah. <laughs> rather than, yeah. rather than blow, blow it out. I think we're just all being ultra careful. But I suppose our message today is, is to stay positive with children and yeah. start emphasising the positives that yeah. are going on. Yeah. And to
6: realise that we are, we are coming out of this thing. We are coming out of it. So that I mean, um, not to let some of the things that we needed to do become permanent parts of our lives. In other words, like that next year, when the birthday is on, that the kids can blow out the candle because um, we're adjusting back to normality.
2: And if they want to do past the parcel they can do past the parcel they as well sure and, and any of of the of the other of the other games and try to get children to go out and play and get fresh air all of the usual things.
6: Absolutely and get their hands dirty and all of that again. Instead of, um, you know, that we have probably become a little bit obsessive with, um, uh, you know, with all the washing and everything. So, yeah, I mean, what we're saying today, I hope, getting across, would be that um, we are returning, slowly, slowly but surely, we are returning to safer times. The vaccines are working. The uh, the numbers of people in hospital and the number of people who are quite ill in ICU has dramatically decreased. So we we are we we are winning, and um, and and to be able to uh, to take that in to like to let that soak into our uh, psyche that uh, yeah things are a bit better, um, you know. Um, Maybe we can start thinking about booking a break. Uh, things like that, that, um, you know, something to look forward to. Okay. God knows we need it.
2: OK, and actually, listener wants to know, what, uh, Joe, we won't get to this next week. Um, this is on, and actually it's something I, I touched on yesterday and we just didn't get a chance to mention it. It's to do with, um, we've been contacted by some people who are now fully vaccinated. And while they're hearing Tony Huda and say, you know, get out and resume your normal life, There's a nervousness even yeah. though they are fully vaccinated. So we might look at that next week. And just, to, just to give advice to people, because you don't want people, as you say, for, for a time, that was the best advice. It was stay at home. You don't interact with people. But now that you are fully vaccinated, it is time to go back out there. And that can be difficult for some people who've almost got into a rush going, oh, no, I'm quite mm-hmm. happy enough here on my own. But it's a big, beautiful world out there and you need to, to reconnect as well. So we'll pick up on that next week. OK. Listen, have a great week. And the same. And uh, thanks a million for joining us. That is uh, Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Bohabui, and he can be contacted on mobile 086 834 8145. 086 834 8145. Can I say hi to my goddaughter Elaine who was just sent in a text here to the radio station. She's on a staycation in West Cork. She doesn't normally get to hear me on the radio but she's listening uh, today. Hope you have a wonderful staycation in West Cork. Elaine, you couldn't have picked a nicer place to go and hi to your gorgeous little fella, Christian. Enjoy your holiday. Now somebody else was on about is there a walk-in Covid testing centre in Bandon do you need to have an appointment? No, it is a walk-in, it is without appointment the testing is available Uh, they're open today they're open now, they opened at 11 and they're open until 7 this evening in the Bandon area, where is it? It is in the grounds of Bandon Community Hospital. If you be over the age of 18, have Haven't do not have COVID-19 uh, symptoms and heck you mustn't have tested positive for COVID-19 in the last six months. Bring a photo ID and a mobile phone number with you to, in order to get your test results. But no, you don't need an appointment. OK, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to Bernie for producing. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon.
0: Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.
5: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer.